Welcome to the Washdown Podcast, episode number 61, with guest Lieutenant John Koch. John has been in law enforcement since 1997. Um, he has served in various aspects of that, from patrol communications to detention. Um, he is also the FRST, or First Midwest Regional Coordinator, and that's a peer support organization. And he's been in active in peer support for a number of years. He's also involved in WCPR, which he will explain what that is um, during the podcast. So we had a great time. Uh, Joey Clevenger joined us to do a little bit of guest hosting. And I hope you guys enjoy this episode. We had a blast filming it and got a lot of valuable information. So here is episode number 61 of the Washdown podcast with guest Lieutenant John Coke. I mean, there's part of the street. I mean, you have like a foot, right. technically, before you're going to get a ticket. Just just don't get on my lawn. <laughs> now, and you said I was bad. At least I'm in my 40s. Uh, Joey, you what, just turned 30? I'm 31. Yeah. 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 Well, can you imagine him in 10 years? Oh, man. I'm How gonna, bad that's going to be? I'm going to be the worst. I am going to be somebody's worst nightmare because, I mean, my, my next door neighbor paid someone to get their leaves like out of their yard. Really, all they did was just mulch it up. She's like, oh, can you bag it? And he's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. And I, I walk out. I, he's freaking blowing all the shit in my yard. I was like, what the hell? I'm already fighting her her tree all year, every every year. I don't. I don't need any more. I've got one tree in my yard, but I have the most amount of leaves in my yard. So that's that's why I moved to a neighborhood with no trees. Yeah, yeah I know, right? I, I looked at a I looked at a house yesterday, and my agent was like, "What's what do you Plug like? The, what do you like the most about the house?" I was like, "I like that there was one. There was no trees yeah. anywhere in sight, and two, this the only tree that was in the yard." was like maybe a year old so it had no leaves at all so i was like that that's the kind of yard i want so our old house was that way didn't have any trees and whatnot and then we moved across the street and she's got two large weeping willow trees oh dude those are and they don't just shed leaves they shed limbs like mm -hmm. i'm pretty sure it sheds more limbs than it actually has ever mm -hmm. oh yeah and See, all i do is pick them up my old house was like that i had a big giant oak tree in the front yard and then big huge walnut and oak trees along the fence line that were actually my neighbor's yard but they all of the limbs fell in my yard somehow yeah but yeah just constantly limbs falling oh, out all where the time. they came from all the well, time especially like so i actually used to live down the street here uh when you came into the neighborhood and at that stop sign to the right mm -hmm. there's a weeping willow right there well we had that and that was ours in our in our backyard and like my dad was like hey it's about to storm. Wind's picking up. Go mow the yard real quick. Man, that thing's like a whip in my face. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, it is the worst. Oh, yeah. Or they, they somehow get tied together, and it just wraps around your neck. And what I've, I've almost got thrown off my mower because it just it's it's tied itself so strong. Oh, nightmare whipping That's, willows. Yeah. Yeah. I believe I saw something like that on The Witcher this past <laughs> season. <laughs> It sounds exactly like what you're describing. <laughs> yeah, less, less, less violent, though. Yeah, <laughs> probably. <laughs> well, John. Hey. Thanks for coming on the podcast. Glad to be here. I appreciate it. So let's get started. Okay. 
How about you tell us a little bit about yourself? Like, how did you get in law enforcement? Well, first of all, I have to say I'm a little uh, awkward sitting in a room with my back to a wall cornered by three firemen. <laughs> I mean, this is like it's every okay. cop's nightmare. This, this, is, put, is, this is actually a setup. Yeah. <laughs> we, we put the smallest fireman between you and the doors. So. Um, well, um, so kind of born and raised in St. Louis and moved here when I was young. And shortly after moving here, um, got caught up with a program called Explorers, Mm -hmm. um, which is a division of Boy Scouts and, uh, did that. And they invited me to, um, Shawnee PD, um, to do their, or to see their Explorer program. And man, I'd never considered law enforcement before. It wasn't even something on my radar. Um, actually was going to go Navy, wanted to fly jets, uh, Somehow I got out of that. that <laughs> you watched that documentary, Top Gun, one time. Yeah, times, well, <laughs> I also had an uncle who was a naval aviator, so ah, that helped okay. a little bit. I'd done a couple of Tiger cruises and whatnot. And so, um, so yeah, uh, got involved with the Explorer program at Shawnee and still kind of thought, you know, it was fun. It was kind of interesting to see a different perspective, but still wanted to go into uh, the Navy. And so I went ROTC at KU and I got about six months into that and went, mm, no, this isn't for me. Um, and yeah. Because because when you edit this, you're gonna go from your jacket to your freaking yep. t-shirt. Dude, and so we'll get back to your story in a second. Yeah, I'm sorry. <laughs> yeah. No, I always had the thought that we should hit the pause button. Everybody should switch places and then and just do that like randomly during the show. So people would be like, "Man, those mushrooms are too strong." <laughs> Well, and I thought I actually about taking my hoodie off and I realized I'm wearing a sheriff's office shirt underneath it. So I was like, <laughs> probably not good to advertise that much anyway. Uh, well, you know, I mean, <laughs> yeah, I don't have the technology to blur it out. Yeah, so, it, You know, right. truthfully, though, it may depend with as short staffed as every department is. They're probably like, yeah, just tell them we're hiring too. Yeah. <laughs> now accepting applications. Yeah. <laughs> Feel free to apply at www.cocogov.org. <laughs> They'll probably just take it through Twitter. Just yeah. copy and paste your resume through Twitter. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Yeah. <laughs> Send us a TikTok video. It'll yeah. be fine. Yeah. Yeah. Can you arrest someone? Yeah, we got a 30 second clip of that right there. <laughs> <laughs> they're gonna start. They're gonna start re- like recruiting off like World Star. Like, dude, you should have seen the way this dude tackled this motherfucker. <laughs> Get him off. <laughs> Wait a minute. Will your tens of viewers really be like the recruiting type that we're looking for? No, they're all intelligent. And they wouldn't apply for the. <laughs> <laughs> Got it. Damn it. Wow. Well, I just know where this is going. Yeah. <laughs> I, I know where the boundaries are set. So I'm gonna. I'll give you a little fair warning after the fact, since you already took one yeah, to thanks. the chin. Um, don't throw any softballs up, because they probably will get smacked out yeah, of Yeah, that's park, all right. So. I'll probably throw a few up there. I'm, I'm known for it. In the words of Will Ferrell in the campaign, welcome to the fucking show. Yeah. <laughs> so, so I guess gussing is okay then, too. Oh, yeah. This is, well, like I told you, this is like the kitchen table at the fire station so anything, always, i wouldn't know what that's like yeah yeah man wow it's all you fire um, <laughs> hey i get it second so, responders are always jealous so <laughs> rebuttal i'll wait <laughs> <laughs> um 
No, it's just pretty much we let the conversation go where it goes. Cool. So, and, you know, that's just part of it. We kind of make fun of each other and, you know, we'll get into serious topics, obviously. And, but yeah, having a little lightness and, you know, I'm sure, you know, you guys probably do it in the quick trip parking lot or wherever it is you guys congregate. So, yeah, I'm not softball on that one. <laughs> One yesterday, one yeah. dark either. <laughs> All right, so back to your story. I don't even remember where I was in my story at this so point. You, yeah, you talked. To, you were talking about the Navy. Yeah, so. and so uh, yeah, when I got into uh, ROTC program, I decided that just wasn't for me, um, and I kind of decided that maybe going ROTC and then going federal law enforcement might be where I want to go. And mm-hmm. I got um, back with my law enforcement agency that I was an explorer with, and. Um, Really kind of got involved in that and then uh, got hired by uh, an agency in the northern part of Johnson County and worked for them for two and a half years, which is where I met my wife. Um, and it was, um, well, as I say it, she told me where to go. Uh, she dispatched for uh, the county at that time. That county uh, dispatches for multitudes of agencies, and my agency was one of them. Uh, and so I went and did a tour of the dispatch center, just kind of get to know who the dispatchers were. And uh, I got introduced to her and we started doing some choir practices together. And uh, I can remember I had a bad call, uh, my first dead body on an elderly lady. And there was no there was no saving her, but I'd never done CPR before. Mm-hmm. Um, the sound of bones breaking and doing compressions and whatnot was just something I wasn't prepared for. Um, and so that was kind of the first debrief I ever had was calling uh, my girlfriend then and now wife um, and saying, hey, this sucked. And, you know, just kind of working through that emotionally. You know, I'm a 22 year old kid, never, never had to do CPR before, never seen a dead body before. Um, You know, even as an explorer, I'd done some things, but I'd never been on a call like that before. So, so you got on young then. Yeah, I started at uh, 22. I mean, if you, if you look at my explorer time, um, then I started more like when I was 15, but um, so I got an exposure early, early on, but you yeah. know, 22 is when I got hired. Uh, yeah, I'm old. So, so yeah, I, I don't want to hear 40s. Yeah, <laughs> hey man, I wasn't saying anything. I was just saying that you went into the career at a oh, young yeah. age without maybe having a lot of life experience before oh, yeah. then. Oh yeah. So that's, I mean, and I see it with the younger guys and girls that come on our job. Like I was working with a kid yesterday who I'm old enough to be his dad. Mm -hmm. And it was like, wow, you literally have zero life experience outside of, I went to high school and did a couple of years of college and now I'm on the fire department. Right. And it's like, okay, this is going to be interesting. Yeah. See, Jeremy, that's the difference between you and me. You were like, see, what I take away from this is you started this early. Mm -hmm. And I'm over here like, yeah, he learned to listen to his wife at a young age. Yes. (laughs) Well, some would argue maybe I don't do that well yet, but I'm still learning. (laughs) That's a a lifetime achievement goal right there. uh, We all fall short sometimes. She had had him trained, and he didn't even know it. I'll be your dispatcher. (laughs) Well, yeah, there's some times it got a little dicey on the radio. (laughs) Did she ever just come over the air and be like, we'll talk about this when we get home? No, no. She didn't say that directly, but some of the uh, innuendos that were made were very clear. 
I, I, I do remember a time saying, hey, you know, I'll go to, I was the supervisor for the city at the time, and I was like, no, I'll go to that call and I'll make that back. Disregard, this other unit will be in route. I'm like, no, 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 I'm the supervisor, I'll be in route. No, 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 this person will be around. I'm like, well, we're not fighting over the radio right now. But... <laughs> Call the dispatcher. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> Clear and call dispatch. Got it. Yeah. <laughs> yep. 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 Tuck that tail between your legs. I'm sorry. I don't know what I was thinking. Right, right. <laughs> Honey, I just passed this lovely coffee shop. Everybody's <laughs> <laughs> like... Why are you always getting flowers at dispatch? Yeah. <laughs> Does he really screw up that much? I mean, come on. Uh, so, yeah, um, I worked for that agency for about two and a half years, and then I went back to the agency that I worked for um, as an explorer. I was there for just shy of a year. Um, they had an incident uh, involving a couple of officers, uh, and two of them were friends of mine, and um the way that went down i just wasn't really thrilled with um it kind of gave us some angst about um if i was ever involved in the shooting how that would go and um you know my wife and i talked about it a little bit and said hey maybe it's time to move on to somewhere else and so i went to another agency dispatched for seven and a half years and was just missing the road missed doing cop work um and so uh i talked to my wife and i said hey i know you're at the sheriff's office do you mind if i come to the sheriff's office and um because one thing i've never wanted to do is i don't want to overstep her or overshadow her in my career i mean we have our own paths and so Mm -hmm. um but she was she was very good about it um the sheriff at the time was uh, a former chief of police that i'd worked for and so i had a conversation with him and um the rest is kind of history. I've been been there for quite a while, and um, it's uh, it's been an eye opening experience in the last few years. Uh, especially, you know, said getting in this job young, um, the way things were handled back in '97 when I started, to the way things are handled now, and the way the public is, and and the pressures and everything else is just completely completely different. I I gotta be honest with you. I've told people I'm not sure I would get in this business again. Uh, if I knew, or if things were the way they are now, uh, oh, back absolutely. In, back twenty six years ago, five years ago, whatever. Yeah, I've I've had several conversations with officers in the past oh, yeah. week, and you know, it's like I still love doing the job, but I've got all this stuff in the back of my mind of, okay, how is this going to play out, or how could this be construed, or. You know, and even talking this, about this is the the number one enemy. Oh, yeah. Every every everyone just like every video that you see, you don't see really the cop side of, how, oh, this person really wasn't listening to the cop, but it was. You just catch the, I mean, the cop finally, the police mm-hmm. officer finally got to the point where he's like, I'm just done dealing with this person. We're gonna take care of it, and that's well, what you see. Well, even, we were getting filmed last night on a gas call. Oh yeah, on a gas call. Just, because like, some, point, like, hey. some genius freaking went to bed and left his stove on. So gas all throughout the apartment complex or apartment building. So we have to break down the door mm-hmm. and turn this dude's stove off. And he does not wake up until I'm standing in his bedroom shaking him. Was it me? <laughs> not you. <laughs> look look kind of like you, though. I was like, James? Were you like, this son of a bitch did it again? <laughs> did you move? <laughs> so, but no, I mean, that's there's 
cameras everywhere and they're record, but they're selective of what they record. Well, even well, they're selective of what they share. Yeah, that's that's the there key was, right there. I remember there was an issue here in our city about a year and a half ago of a a drunk, pregnant female jumped on the back of an officer, started punching him and biting him, and of course, what's the officer do? Just flip her right on over forward. But the only part they showed on the news was her getting flipped forward. And I'm like, uh, nah. She had to come from somewhere. Yeah, right, like, <laughs> right, right. <laughs> How do you think she got there, folks? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but, and, you know, we've talked about it. There's, in your profession and our profession, civil service, yep. you know, we're not getting the applicants that we used to. Nope. It's the, the amount of people applying has gone way down. And we're starting to see departments, both PD and FD, Starting to lower those standards a little bit, which is unfortunate. Hey, I mean, it got it. Got to fill those spots. Yeah. Oh no, I get it. I mean, well, guess what? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> You're going to see what's going to happen in a year, two, three, four years, five years. It ain't going to be good. I can tell you that right now. You know, I can remember a, a supervisor when I first got hired at the sheriff's office saying to me, um, "You know, you were the cream of the crop." of the applicants that got hired or that were in the pool and you got hired here now try to be the cream of the crop again in the agency and, and continue to rise and continue to go and, and, and whatnot. And now the cream of the crop is the crop. I mean, there just isn't, yeah. there isn't a delineation yeah. at times and congratulations. You applied. We got you five people job. and that wow. apply in 12 spots to fill. I mean, that's, well, I mean, that, yeah. we say on the fire department all the time, warm bodies. We just need warm bodies and seats. Oh, yeah. yeah. Well, and, and, you know, I'm, I'm with a, a, you know, smaller department and, you know, we don't get a lot of applicants like, like the bigger city does, but, you know, say, shoot, we had two spots open. We had four applicants and one of the ones that actually accepted the position, we heard from multiple departments around the area. Hey, this guy's a shithead. Yeah. <laughs> and then, and then our chief, I'm telling Justin, you called him a shithead. <laughs> <laughs> and so. You know, one of our chiefs is like, ah, you know what? We're, we're going to give them a second chance. They've got a bad reputation. We're going to give them a second chance. So like, well, as us that have been on for a while, like, how does that make us feel? Because right. you're, you're no longer, you're just hiring the qu- uh, or quantity, not the quality that we were hired at. Right. And so it just kind of makes us not, like, not that we don't care about our job, but it's like, really? we're You've been told by multiple people that this person is a piece of shit, and you're still going to give them a chance? and have him be around us yeah well you know here's what i will say to that obviously shitty situation the world is how it is and you can look at it two ways either you can look at it as this dude's a lost cause i'm not going to spend any time on him he's worthless blah 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 you can go down that road or you can take the initiative be a leader say you know what yeah we're going to give him a second chance and help him along i'm not saying hold his hand right but hey, this is what's expected of you. This is what we do, and then model that behavior. Yeah. Well, a different I, set of circumstances they may thrive under. Exactly. I mean, it. It. Not every agency is for each individual. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's certain agencies I absolutely could not work for. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, and and you know it. I mean, you hear about it. And it, it ended up working out because he quit eight hours <coughs> of his first like mm-hmm. training shift. He went into our confidence maze, got lost, and freaked out. He was done. Yeah, you know, so we, it worked uh, out. But we do. I've noticed something too, and maybe you can tell me this from the um, law enforcement hiring side. I've noticed definitely in the fire hiring side, we for a long time 
we were able to market the job for what it was, which was helping people, right? Yeah. We said, hey, come help people. And people are like, hey, I want to help people. I enjoy helping people. Right. And now it's, hey, look at all the cool shit you can do. Like, look at look at these fire trucks. And, like, our, our marketing for our hiring, I've noticed, in public services completely changed. And I've no, I feel like it sets, it's setting up for failure right off the bat. Kids come in the door and they're like, well, I, I want a T-shirt. And I want that free drink of quick trip and I, I don't want this old broken down fire truck i thought we get the new ones that are in the pictures and right well and i think i think some of what you're getting to there is there's a large sense of entitlement for the younger generations right now but back when i got hired the advertising was a, an ad in the newspaper for those that don't know what that is that's like a white <laughs> Um, <laughs> I, I deserve that. Yeah. <laughs> um, you've been nothing but nice to him. It's that guy, preemptive strike. <laughs> hey, hey, hey! He just don't he, make enemies out of allies. He, he, <laughs> going the Cobra Kai route: strike first, strike hard. Yeah, yeah there, you there you go. He just Ukrained you. <laughs> but seriously, you know. Back then, that's what, how we advertised. And now we've got these videos and we're showing the high-speed, low-drag stuff that we do sometimes. But that's not every day. I mean, we are hours and hours and hours of downtime with short amounts of heightened activity. Paperwork. Well, there's that, too. Uh-huh. That doesn't. That's not glamorous and doesn't sell. Nope. I mean, they don't video me at my desk, you know, pushing the paper from one side to the other. Then you're looking at an office ad. The office ad, <laughs> yeah, yeah. So I just saw me, but I think you're right. Like, what's the worst thing you've ever seen on your job? Paperwork. No, no, no. Like the worst thing you know that keeps you up at night. Paperwork. paperwork. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Absolutely. <laughs> Gonna need those TPS reports. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I, I, you're right. I think the the entitlement is a huge aspect of it. Like, I mean, I've seen literally ads on. Like TikTok for police and fire recruiting from different departments. I'm like, okay, smart, but yeah, like, is that where you like? Is that where you want your pool of people from? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, but, but again, you got to find the pool of people somewhere, and how do you find them? And how do you get to them? And you know, kudos to our agency. We've tried a bunch of different methods, and it seems to work. You know, uh, a couple of years ago, we were down seventy, eighty some deputies. Um, right now, I, I don't know the current number, but I think it's closer to the teens, maybe 20. So we've hired a ton when other agencies are struggling to hire one, two, three here. So I, I, you know, accolades to our personnel division for getting that done, um, in some unconventional methods that weren't normally used. Um, but that struggle is real. I mean, we're still, we got people that, you know, apply, and here's the written test uh, for other agencies, and they don't show up. It's like, how do you, how do you not show up to something? Just don't just say I'm not coming, you know. Or I decided against it, but yeah, but that's the way the things are these days. Yeah. So. So let's talk about WCPR and oh. <laughs> peer support and all that other good stuff. Yeah. So how did you get? Involved and well, first off, I guess tell us what WCPR is, okay, and then we can get into how you got involved with it and all yeah. that. So, WCPR is uh the acronym for West Coast Post Trauma Retreat. Um, it is something that was um 
developed or created by uh, FRSN, First Responders uh, Support Network, which is in um, California, Northern California. Um, they do uh, a retreat that is six days long. Um, it is intensive um, therapy, intensive um uh, peer-led, clinician-supported uh, with a chaplain program um, therapy that, uh, you know, a lot of people say, hey, they, they get uh, in six days what they might get in a year um, because it's just nonstop. We start early in the morning, 7 in the morning, and there's times, you know, we're with the clients until 10, 11 o'clock at night. Um, extremely, um, I guess, mentally tapping wearing um but the change in six days is just uh, until you experience it you can't really describe it accurately because it is just it's amazing to watch people go from day one when they walk in to day six when they graduate the program uh and we tell a lot of them you know take a selfie on day one and then take a selfie on day six um you'd be amazed how many people look at that selfie and go, I don't know who this person was. that was here six days ago. Um, And we've had people show up that have that their, their intent while they were there was to kill themselves. Um, It was, you know, they they had a plan. They didn't want to do it in front of their families. And so, you know, whatever. And To know that that is the effect that you're having to change that thought process, that mindset for somebody. Um, I mean, it's awesome to them and I'm glad that they're in a different place, but there's a self-fulfilling, you know, sense of, man, I helped. I I did that, you know, or I was a part of that. You literally changed a life. Right. Yeah. I mean, that that, that right there is... It's. I mean, I, I know exactly what you're talking. It's not selfish because that's no. that's what you know. That's what you you want to think that because you do have that feeling. But yeah, it's why you're there. But you know it's working. Yeah. So it's just it, yeah. It just makes you feel good that what you've put your your hard hard work is paying off. So you know, all, most all of us <clears throat> will say we got into being a first responder in whatever capacity to help people. It's a whole nother level to help ourselves our own people and and get them to a place where they can just get through this career i mean very few of us get through this career unscathed i mean it just isn't a reality anymore Um, i don't think it ever really was no it was just how we handled it yeah well i mean if you look back on it i mean how many cops and firemen retired that you know that were alcoholics married three four times you know broke you go down the list of problems yeah and i mean i'm not going to say all of it but a lot of it due to stuff that they saw on the job yeah and never dealt with it because the general sentiment has been for as long as there's been those careers of hey you got a job to do suck it up yeah well i mean and just think about the story you told earlier obviously with the first time of you doing cpr and you kind of makeshift debriefing with your girlfriend think about if that avenue wasn't there yeah what if it was just like man i'm just gonna go have a beer right just kind of relax and then all of a sudden that habit becomes that's how you cope yep you may not you probably wouldn't be sitting here well and i'm not going to go to somebody who's not been in the business before i mean 
how do you explain to somebody what it's like to, to break somebody's bones doing chest compressions? How do you explain to somebody, hey, I was pulling the slack out of my trigger, getting ready to kill a kid that had a plastic gun? I mean, you don't. The, the, most people aren't able to process that. I'm salivating over the cultural competency reference right now. <laughs> <laughs> Go for it. I'll let you do it no, this I time. Just, no, I just, <laughs> you're a thousand percent right. And we have mm-hmm. talked about that almost till we're blue on the face on the show sometimes is cultural competency especially when it comes to finding a provider you know for counseling or therapy or something like that it's just it's it's critical well we traumatize more clinicians um trying to find the culturally competent ones frankly i mean we just it's it's the reality of it yeah um well what's the what's the alternative the alternative is you don't say anything because i don't want to burden anybody else or they're not going to get it like i have a buddy of mine who that's his whole thing is, well, they've never been in combat, so how do they get it? Or they've never seen dead bodies, so how are they going to get it? You know, how can I relate to somebody? I don't have anything in common with them. That's not a therapist's job. No. And that's something that in our professions we need to wrap our heads around is they don't have to have run those calls. No. You know, we had David Struther on a yeah. couple of weeks ago, and, you know, he put it very well of, you know, yeah, he's done all that stuff, but finding the right clinician is, I think he used the term empathize or whatever. Mm-hmm. And yeah, you have to be good at your job and be able to make that connection with the client. Well, so how- it's no different than for us running a medical call. Right. And somebody's freaking out or, for you know, even you guys, you're running that call and you want to de-escalate somebody. Yeah. You know, you have to be able to build the connection. Yep. It's the same thing with a therapist. Yeah, it's relationships. Yeah. And you went exactly where I was going to go. How many how many times in our careers do we handle things that we've never handled before, don't mm-hmm. have any experience with, but the expectation <laughs> is, hey, I called you to help me. Yeah. Go forth. Yeah. Here, so, here's my problem. Uh, Solve them for me. Right. Yes. Right. And, you know, we tell people when we train them, we can expose you to as many things as we can come across in the 16-week program. But the reality, we're just scratching the surface. I mean, mm-hmm. we're not we're not saying, hey, you're going to know all at this point, and you're great. No, it's a learning curve. I mean, it takes mm-hmm. most of us five years before we're comfortable with it. So, yeah, it, it, it's only understandable that when you go to find a clinician or somebody like that wants to be culturally competent with us, it's going to take them time to get there also. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, yeah, it's tough. So what led you to WCPR? <laughs> so we'll back up. Yes. It was a dark and stormy night. No. Sweet. <laughs> I love the noir genre. <laughs> I feel like I need a trench coat and a fedora. <laughs> um, you know, I got started with peer support back um, about 10, 11 years ago. I was thinking about that on the way up here. Um, and grew through to where I lead our team now. And... Um, part of that is, uh, one of our former team members and she's now back on our team had been to, uh, Angwin to WCPR in California. And so when, uh, she went out there and a couple other folks went out there, uh, they brought it back and said, Hey, we just did this program. And you know, it's when they sold it, I can remember sitting there listening to the story. They're like, Hey, we want you to come out uh, to wine country and we want you to help first responders in a retreat setting. And so they're thinking, cool, wine, (laughs) cheese, we're going to get to see the site. We're going to help some people out at the same time and, and whatnot. Um, 
And as I put it, it's absolutely not the case. You know, I shared it's six days of intense therapy um, and with the clients nonstop in one faction or another. And so, um, you know, a couple of years trying to think of kind of the time frame, but about four years ago, uh, my wife went to England, uh, and got the opportunity to go out there and, and be a peer and kind of learn what WCPR was about. And I flew out there, uh, on the Friday when the retreat got done and, and met her and I could see just how drained she was. And, you know, my wife, if you ever meet her, she is actually a fairly talkative person, uh, especially when she gets to know you yeah. and she wasn't saying a whole lot. And I could see her just processing. So you talk about culturally competent clinicians. You got to have culturally competent peers as well. People who are able to process other people's traumas and handle it. Because now are you not only handling your own, but you're handling other people's also. And and you don't want to carry that. Um, and so I was watching her kind of process through that. And then she started sharing a little bit. You know, obviously it's all confidential, so we're not sharing detailed details, but yeah. generalities of just the transformation of a person from day one to day six. And I thought, man, this is awesome. But I've also always said, I don't want to get to where I am overshadowing my wife and what she does because she needs to have her career stuff too. And, um, but the opportunity presented itself, uh, in, right before the uh, pandemic hit February, 2020, um, for me to go. And I took that in, um, just, you know, you get connected with the clients and you, cause you hear their stories, you hear their, in, their lowest of their lows. Um, and working with them and developing a plan for what 14 days, 30 days, 90 days after the uh, retreat is done, what that's going to look like. The hope that hopefully through that conversation in that six days develops to kind of keep progressing them forward and then following up and keeping with them. And so um, that's kind of how I initially got started with WCPR. And then uh, our local person who sets it up here locally. So we have a retreat twice a year here in Linwood. We're actually looking to hopefully go to four times a year. Um, we have the, the, the number of clients is definitely there. We just need the personnel, the uh, staffing. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's a growth market. You yes. could say. <laughs> yes. And it's exponentially growing. Yeah. Unfor unfortunately. Um, and so, um, yeah, we, we, uh, or I got the opportunity to, uh, shadow leading that, uh, retreat in September. And so in uh, next month here in just over or right at a month, Mm -hmm. Um, I will lead the, the retreat here, uh, for the first time. So hopefully it goes well. I mean, or, or maybe not. Yeah. Rachel will tell us afterwards. Yeah. Maybe. yeah. <laughs> I'm sure I'll get to hear all about it on Friday. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, but yeah, no, you know, um, I would say that anybody that's involved in peer support, um, that has a passion for it and is truly active on their team. Uh, this is something they need to get involved in. Um, this is, it, it, you know, we have an advanced peer support training for that. Um, and, and you get 40 hours of, of uh, training for it. And it is taking things to a whole nother level. But you have to be comfortable talking to people. And you have to be comfortable having those hard, at times, confrontational conversations with people. So, yeah. Mm -hmm. So how'd you get started with peer support? Because <laughs> that's not, I mean, so I can speak from 
you know, my point of view and things I've seen and yeah. my department and all that stuff, it's not like peer support's one of those things in most departments that's like, sign me up. I want to be that guy. We're not the SWAT team. Yeah. Yeah. We don't have cool shirts. <laughs> yeah. Carry big guns, yeah. that sort of stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, uh, again, following the footsteps of my wife a lot, apparently. Uh, <laughs> she, I'm sensing a trend. Yes. Yeah, she is a good leader. She actually got onto it first when they first started it. Um, and then I joined um, a wellness committee that we were kind of uh, a program that we were working through for about six months. Um, and the person who was leading the peer support team was also leading that wellness committee. And at the end of that, um, she brought us all on to the peer support team also. Um, but it's, you know, those of us that have uh, joined the team and when I look for new peer support team members, I'm looking for those people who are noticing when someone's not right and going up and talking to them. Um, you know, when you walk through the squad room and there's a couple of guys over in the corner talking about a call and kind of debriefing it about those are the kind of people that we're looking for because they're naturally seeing, hey, um, we need to talk about this. This there needs to be a conversation about this. Yeah. So you're seeing the ones that are already doing it, and yep. then you're taking them and giving them the training to be able to formally. Yeah. 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 So absolutely. Playing, setting people up for success. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Well, I, as supervisors, that's what we do, right? Yeah. Or try to. <laughs> yeah. That's exactly. <laughs> sometimes we succeed. <laughs> sometimes we do. Sometimes we fail miserably. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, you know, even when we do our interview process, that's one of the things we ask them uh, or their supervisors is, hey, how have you seen this individual interacting with other peers? Because we don't want the person that everybody's going, oh, I want to talk to them. You know, that's that's what we're looking for. Yeah. So. Well, and unfortunately, you do sometimes get those people that are involved and they can wreck a peer support program. Absolutely. Very quickly. Absolutely. Because all the, I mean, and it's the same thing with therapists or whatever, because cops and firemen we have one bad experience with somebody yep everybody's going to know about it yep yeah and then that person's kind of just persona non grata after that well especially when you talk about the confidentiality side of things i mean i i stress that um all over the place i get supervisors that will ask me to reach out to somebody and then they'll follow up with me and say hey did anybody reach out i gave that to somebody and i trust my people did what they were supposed to do but I, for confidentiality reasons, I don't want feedback. I don't expect feedback um, because we want them to feel like they can go talk to anybody and not have to worry about it getting back. Yeah. And we had that conversation, I think, with Dana Johnson. She works at another department here mm-hmm. and kind of was talking about that, about having supervisors involved in peer support mm-hmm. and like the having regular patrol officers, you know, can get kind of murky and shadowy there if you have, you know, a sergeant or a supervisor or a, you know, even a chief or whoever it may be that's in the management position showing up and going, hey, I heard you need to talk. Right. It's like, not to you. (laughs) Right. Well, and and I think you you hit a a good point there. Um, You know, there is a role for a supervisor to fill on a peer support team. It just looks different. Um, contrary to maybe some popular beliefs, supervisors need peer support also. Uh, some get at it. <laughs> I know it's crazy, <laughs> right? Um, so, you know, I have several supervisors that are on my team and 
we have to draw that line. You know, I'll have deputies that will come to me and say, hey, can I talk to you? And I'll lay out the ground rules. But I tell them up front, too, I can't take my supervisor hat off. That just it can't happen. So if if you're going to tell me something or want to talk about something that could be an issue, I'm going to probably have to refer you to somebody else because I just don't think that's in your best interest. Um, and so, but, you know, I've peer supported multitudes of supervisors above me um, and it's not uncommon. So one of the things I'm also on is the uh, command peer support team through Mark Mid-America Regional Council. We're one of the only ones, I think we are actually the only one in the country. Um, and so there's, uh, I think over a hundred of us now, uh, that are commanders and are on that team. So we go in specifically to talk to majors, captains, chiefs, that sort of thing. So, so yeah, probably would make those guys a little bit more comfortable. Oh yeah. Right. Right. I'm, just as much as a deputy is not going to want to go talk to the sheriff, a sheriff's yeah. not going to want to talk to a deputy for peer support stuff. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. It's that whole command and leadership thing and you know there's certain i don't want to say a front yeah you know but there's a certain image i think that a lot of guys people get caught up whenever they're in that supervisory role of they have to project this image of oh yeah calm and all of that stuff and then you know whenever you're talking about peer support that's a vulnerable time yeah and you're talking about some hard stuff that's affecting you in a very significant way so, but I think it's important for those supervisors to shoulder, show their vulnerabilities. Oh, absolutely. Because that opens the door for those people underneath them to say, Hey, um, even he is having a problem with it. it I'm having those problems too. It gives that comfort level to, to have that conversation. Well, and that's leadership. That's leading by example. Yes. And actual leadership, not just management. Yes. So, and that's something that, you know, I think it's, uh, I don't want to say it's a dying art, but it's definitely not as prevalent as it used to be. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you said it earlier when back in the olden days, we had a bad call, rub some dirt on it, move on. Who do we learn that from? Our senior guys or supervisors. That's, mm-hmm. they're the ones that told us, Hey, that's how you handle it. Yeah. And then you go have choir practice. <laughs> That was the rubbing dirt on it, right? <laughs> oh, well, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Choir practice, drink a beer, whatever. Yeah. You know, yeah. Whatever your choice of dirt would be. Yes, yes. <laughs> but, I mean, even going to going to a supervisor and trying to, you know, even if they are in a peer support role, it's, it's, car, it's, it's hard for you to go to them if you're under them. You yeah. Know, because you don't want them to be like, oh, well, you're, you can't be back you can't go back to work, you know, like, yeah, I, I can do the job, you know, but this is what's been getting to me. And so that's why, I mean, I can see it from, at least from my, my, you know, I'm just a fireman. I'm, I'm not a, I'm not a You're lieutenant. You're not just a fireman. But I'm just, well, I, <laughs> yeah. as far as the leadership role, yeah. you know, if I'm going to go to go, go to my captain, the last thing I want is him to be like, ah, well, you can't be on the rig, you know? And that's, that's where you got to <laughs> make sure that you draw that line and everything like that. And, that I, I I can see that's why some people would be worried about approaching it or coming out to talk about what's Absolutely. Going, what's bothering them. So, but I think as as a leader, if you have built that relationship with the people that work with you, mm-hmm. that comfort level gets. I a, do agree a with that. Yes, yeah. I mean, like my my relationship with my captain, I could t- I can tell him everything everything that's bothering me, and I know for sure he's not gonna 
go and be like, hey, we need to take him off the rig. Right. You know, I, because, you know, I, I've had that experience. I've had I've gone through, you know, a couple bad calls and, and you know, and it was at least able to talk to him because we don't really have much of a peer support part of our peer support kind of fell apart because they ran the same bad call I did. Yeah. So, but that's the thing. So yeah, being able to be confident and be able to talk to that, that captain or, um, peer support that, you know, you don't, you want to keep it confidential. Don't want to make sure that, you know, you don't want someone to second guess your work. Basically. Right. But you know, you bring up a good point. Um, maybe not a good point. Interesting point. Uh, wow. Well, because it's not, no, and it wasn't meant to be a sarcastic thing. It was, it's, uh, you don't want to go to that captain because you're afraid he might pull you off that rig, but wouldn't it be right to pull you off that rig if you're not safe to work and safe to operate? No. And, 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 oh yeah. And I, I if there's, if there's that line where like, especially because he, you know, with us, we don't really have a lot of floaters situation. It's I've got the three guys I work with every single day, mm-hmm. you know. But like, if if he's noticing something drastic, that's I mean, that's how close we are as as a crew. Is like he would pick up on that and be like, "Hey, take take twenty four PTO. Let's yeah. we'll talk about this." Right. And and I get that. But like, as far as just being able to just generally share, like, "Hey, right. this this call that we ran the other day kind of just got to me," and and you know. Knowing your crew, knowing who like their their personality, knowing their everyday kind of situation, and then yeah, I, I, when you get close with someone, they're going to be like, okay, there's something off. Yeah, I would say let's take take a little bit of time, but yeah, so that, that it's not like just sharing so sharing that to a point where you are going to get taken off. Like I'm not saying push yourself th- through mm-hmm. and put someone else in danger, right? Because that's, you know, that's the last thing. We don't want to advocate for that. Exactly. Exactly. And any peer should be noticing that too. Yes. And, and then, I mean, that's part of, that's part of what we should be doing as, as crew members or as teammates or however you, your agency refers to it is watching out for each other. Oh yeah. You know, we say that all the time. Um, Oftentimes those of us that work close together and I mean, you guys share rooms and eat meals (laughs) together and anyway, (laughs) um, You guys are going to know. Don't be jealous. You guys are going to know when something's not right. And um, you're probably going to realize that probably before your family does. Um, probably before your spouse, maybe even. Oh, I've, and, I've, I've certainly had some people be like, why do you keep asking me if I'm all right? It's like, I yeah. just, I, I, kinda, I pick up on that and I'm like, hey, man, are you, you sure you're all right? You're just not acting the, the same. Yeah. You know, because you do just pick up on those tendencies of, their normal workday habits and like I haven't, I haven't spoke to so and so all day, right? You know, right? And, and, and we're in the same room, right? So, and that's the thing. So you just pick up on those things, and you're just like, "Hey, do you, well, is there something we, you need to talk about? So, what's bothering you?" Right. You and we're all creatures yeah. of habit to some degree. I mean, you're oh, going to yeah. know when that habit is mm-hmm. not happening. Yeah. Well, and I was going to say, I think with the with the fire department, with us, it may be a little bit. I don't want to say easier, but, but since we are together at a station and we run as a crew and all that stuff for you guys, it's probably a lot different and a lot harder to really notice those changes because you're by yourself a lot or you only see each other on calls. You don't have that, that same, 
I don't want to say closeness because that makes it sound bad, but you know, but you know, many, you're not together. How many times have we also said though too? Usually, our job, if there is a a bigger problem going on, kind of under the table, usually our job is the last thing. So, you know, and I've been thinking about that recently, and because that's the saying, you know, the job is the last thing that will suffer. But thinking back, I mean, just even in my own particular case, there were clear signs, you know, I was grumpier, you know, I'd spend more time in my room, you know, there, there are signs. So yeah, just because you're coming to work and you're making the rig and you're doing your job and going on the calls, your behavior changes. And I'm not saying that it's always in a drastic way. But enough of a way that a crew that you work with on a normal basis should notice. Well, and I think it depends on what the issue is, too. If it's yeah. if it's work-related, it's probably going to show up at work. But if it's not, that might be the area where you feel uh, freedom, I guess, away from whatever else is bothering you. And, yeah, everything is normal because it's your outlet. So... It, but I still think someone who's been around each other for an extended period of time, you know, if you're having home problems, eventually somebody's going to notice that or should notice that, you mm-hmm. would think. Yeah. But well, some people are good at it. Well, oh, yeah. And kind of to add on to what, you know, it is it's, it is a lot more noticeable for us to f- figure that out. Mm-hmm. I mean, because we're hanging out in the day room or around the kitchen table most of the day, having, having a cup of coffee. You guys, when you guys, I mean, unless you guys meet up for – lunch or dinner on your, right. during during shift like the only time you see each other is during a call and game face is on right like, i mean it's you got to be there you got to be able to like you guys communicate to the point that you guys need but you guys are hey we're on we're on a call let's you know and then afterwards like hey good job see you I'll see you later well it's not uncommon uh you know especially for my agency for our guys to go in service after roll call and they may not see another one of us until the end of shift 10 hours later uh, and that's just the nature of the beast for us. We we have areas that we are covering that are so large that we just it doesn't happen. Yeah. Uh, you know, as a supervisor, I try to do what I can to make it out to my people when I'm when I'm working the road. But that doesn't happen either. I mean, it, things get in the way. That paperwork or something. Like that. <laughs> <laughs> hey, you want to be a supervisor? <laughs> <laughs> That's what happens when you get promoted. Yes, it you, does happen. You get all these responsibilities you didn't think about. No. no that's, <laughs> some of them I did think about, I just didn't appreciate appropriately. <laughs> yep. Yeah. So why am I still sitting in this office? I don't yeah. want to be here. You know, They're playing ping pong outside. I am a... No, no, no. We're I'm, not firemen. We don't do that. Well, <laughs> I am curious, though, and I'd like to pick your brain a little bit. So we had a guest not too long ago on that was up captain on the fire department and we talked a lot about like leadership and just Mm -hmm. kind of you know the expectations and you know kind of his views on different things it was it was a great episode but we haven't we've had before i'm curious on your views of especially being a supervisor and being a leader and a mentor to younger deputies but still being being one in today's time in 2022 yeah um and all the aspects that come with it Especially in in the role of mental health, I don't want to say you have a softer generation that you're supervising per se, but you have ones that are definitely more vocal. Yeah, and where you know how you as a supervisor and a leader kind of adapt to that, and what's your what's your views? Um, 
You know, I think it gets back to that relationship and knowing uh, your people and building that relationship with your people. Um, the more the more you go into that conversation of, um, and, and I'll back up and, and give an example here a little bit of, uh, you know, we used to have supervisors that would come into our modules as we were working the jail and, uh, hey, what's going on? And they wanted to know, like, what inmates are being a problem and, you know, where your log might be or what what issues are going on. And transitioning that to going into that module of, hey, what's going on? And people starting down that road and going, no, 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 no. Like, how are you doing? Like, what do you need? Or how is the family? And knowing they're married or not married, knowing they have kids or not, you know, don't have kids and what their kids are involved in and learning about them, you know, and, and making that the focus of the interaction and not a work related. I mean, it's work related, but not the functionality of the job, so to speak. Cause I think there's a time and a place to have those conversations as well, obviously. But, um, I think it's more important to, to create those relationships. Um, that then opens those doors for those conversations, um, about having a rough call and being able to ask that question and being more willing to give a response because they know, Hey, he's truly invested in me or she's truly asking because she cares about me, not because they feel like they're checking the box on the supervisor <laughs> list of things that they have to do. Um, and you mentioned the younger generations. I actually think to some degree it's easier to work with the younger generations because they are more um, accustomed to having conversations um that are more family oriented. I mean, this day and age, these, these kids that are coming in, uh, they want to do their eight and escape because they're more family oriented. They're more, you know, the, the job is not defining of them. Those of us that got in way back when, I think that was not necessarily the case. I mean, the job defined a lot of people, look how many people have retired after 25, 30 years and they're lost. They don't know what to do because they let that job define them. And that, I don't think these kids are, or these younger, I say kids because they're all young to me, but <laughs> kiddo. Um, <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, I, 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 to some degree, I think it's easier to talk to them because I think they've kind of become more um, accepting of that. Um, and, you know, I'm big about most everybody knows my rank. No, they know what my job responsibilities are. They know the position I hold. Um, I don't get caught up into that. I don't need people to call me by my rank. Um, I will call individuals by their first name um, because I think it's more personable. I don't get wound up when people call me by my first name. Um, when the proverbial hits the oscillator, they know I'm going to be the one that's going to make the final decisions or, you know, I'm going to be the one that gets whatever resources they need. They know that. Um, so yeah, we're a paramilitary organization, but, um, I, I just kind of feel like if you kind of break down some of those barriers, it opens those doors, uh, for people to have those conversations and, and be more willing to have them and easier to approach. So then, when I look at it from a peer support aspect, you know, yeah, there's a lot of times I'll notice things, but I'm not going to call it out in front of other people. You know, I'm going to, I'm going to seek them out and have a one-on-one -on -one conversation. Hey, I've noticed this. Hey, I've noticed that. And so, um, but I think there's times that it's harder to do that with the older generations. 
because they're just not willing to open up and, uh, you know, it's still that rubbing some dirt on it and, and moving on kind of thing. Some of them are coming around, but not all of them. So does that answer your question? Absolutely. hundred percent. Okay. And maybe then some, well, and, and that's kind of what we had a talk about with, uh, Mike Hopkins, our, our captain that we had on is he, you know, is in that, at least on, on our job, on our department right now, we're in that kind of the old style is on its way out, but we still have those per se captains. Because oh, yeah. captains are like kind of mid-level supervisory position where a lot of the newer captains, the philosophy's truly kind of pretty much opposite. Um, and just kind of the <coughs> still maintaining for the purpose of, I don't want to say tradition, but organizational structure there's still some of the old mindset that has to be maintained yeah but outside of that like it's just it's a new age yeah yeah well i think and this is my own opinion and i think there's a line you know you want to show your people that you care and yeah being informal like that it pays dividends in that aspect Mm -hmm. but there also needs to be and maybe you can kind of speak on how you manage to walk that line of whenever like you said, the proverbial hits the fan, mm-hmm. like, and you're telling somebody that they need to go do this or do that, that it's not a bunch of, it's not, doesn't become a debate because you're just John, my buddy. Right. You know. Well, and, and not even that, um, when it comes to accountability, when, mm-hmm. when, when a mistake is made, we're going to make mistakes. Mm-hmm. We're not going to do things right every time. And what? I know it's a crazy concept. Um, <laughs> That's cops for I th- you. I, <laughs> yeah. Hey, I've seen the fire department save the concrete like no other. I mean, it's all right. And then we went Man. back to sleep. <laughs> Foundations are safe. Yes. <laughs> I'm, I'm going to let you in on a little secret. Every fire goes out and all bleeding stops eventually. <laughs> yes, it does. <laughs> yeah. Yes, it does. <laughs> um, you know, I, th- I think... It's all in how you approach it and still maintaining um, the understanding of, you know, I think most of my guys know, um, all my guys know, I'm not unwilling to have a conversation with them that is, hey, we screwed this up. My approach to that is not lighting my hair on fire and and running around the room screaming at people. What hair? Uh, Damn it. Beat me to it. Uh, it, was, it was on the tip of my tongue, too. <laughs> and I was getting to the part where I was going to say, but I just recently learned that lesson, and my hair's growing back. <sighs> Varsity. Varsity moves. <laughs> Uh, he, he gave you fair warning. If you throw that softball up, it's yeah, but I'm going to hit some of my own if you don't mind. <laughs> All right, so from now on, we'll take a beat. <laughs> yeah, and the guy man. behind the camera doesn't show that he's bald, also. So. Yeah. Oh, everybody knows. No, everybody I, knows. I identify as having hair, so it's all good. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay, stay away from that. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Please do. Yeah, we will get canceled. <laughs> I don't. Do we have enough viewers to get canceled? I mean, that's what we need to do. That's, <laughs> absolutely. Get canceled. Well, I mean, start some controversy. I was yeah. about to say, starting oh, controversy start always, controversy. always yeah. make you blow up for a very short amount of time, and then yeah, yeah. 
But they never, uh, they never not follow you after that. They just no, that's follow true. Yeah, they yeah. follow you. They try and see because they want to see the next controversy. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> that's exactly it. <laughs> found, yes. found the pitch. Yes. <laughs> yeah, yes, yes. It's the angle. We're just gonna say some outlandish shit now. <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean, but to get back to what we were talking about, you know, I think absolutely there, there has to be that line, and that line cannot go away. And whether it's peer support, whether it's being a supervisor. Any of that, um, you know, my guys, as far as peer support, will hear me say on a regular basis, who's working harder at this? Mm-hmm. Are you working harder to help them or are they working uh, harder than you wanting that help? Yeah. Well, and that's the thing. Um, and I've seen that with other with peer support people sometimes is they put so much of themselves into oh, yeah. it and end up. No, well, they're the ones that need the peer support now. Yeah. Um, and, you know. People have to be at a certain point or, and it's different for everybody, of they have to want to help or they have to want the help. Yep. They have to want to get better. Yep. And it doesn't matter. I mean, you could move heaven and earth. If they're not at that place where they want the help, it doesn't matter what you do. But I'll make the argument everybody needs peer support. Yeah, I don't I, disagree I, with that. I, I, I would yeah. make the argument that we all do yeah. one way or the other. And, and frankly, I think generally speaking, we all do give peer support and receive peer support at some point. It's just not under the formal little T-shirt that, yeah. and, and the whole yeah. clause of things that we won't talk about ahead of time. Yeah. Well, and let me clarify. I'm not saying you shouldn't try. Right. So that I want to be very clear about yeah. that. Just because somebody might not be at that point doesn't mean that something that you say right now isn't going to spark with them in a week, six months, whatever. I mean, so you have to put that foot out there and say, hey, maybe, you know, this thing or that thing. And, you know, you got to plant page the... out of Rachel's book. No, she just says everything <laughs> that I say. <laughs> Damn it. <laughs> um, We've yeah, been trying no. to replace it with Rachel for a year now. Since, yeah, since we started the podcast, I've been... Yeah, on my way out. There's the first scandal. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> like, you can't kick me out. It's my house. <laughs> oh, well. Now, yeah. wait a minute. There's this thing called eviction. Yeah. Well, <laughs> I don't know how it works in Missouri, but I can tell you about Kansas. Yeah, I got squatters rights now. So. <laughs> you are not here that much. <laughs> that you know of. Yeah. <laughs> That's true. That's true. true. We are on opposite shifts, so... <laughs> I'm getting a ring doorbell camera. <laughs> <laughs> that son of a bitch. <laughs> Guys, He's renting up. these movies. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's why we switched to all streaming. So, um, no, but to go back to the whole leadership conversation, like I just had this conversation the other day with um, the station that I work at right now. Just got a bunch of brand new firefighters. Mm-hmm. And I mean, brand new. And, you know, we... I, their normal captain was off, so I was there their first day. And so I had a rude awakening. Uh, <laughs> yeah. So, but anyway, like the way that I approached it, you know, like gathered them all together and, you know, they're asking questions. And I mean, these, and I'll call them kids because they're kids. Yeah. But they're solid. They want to learn. They are all about it. And, you know, they're, they're showing initiative. So, you know, they come to me and they're asking me questions and all this stuff. And I'm kind of telling them, Look, I'm not your normal captain. You know, he's going to train you guys the way that he wants you and, you know, do things. I said, but for today, I said, look, here's the deal. I said, I'm trying to be pretty laid back. 
you know, I'm not going to get upset about stuff and I will explain to you anything that you want to know. I said, but if we do get in that situation, you know, where we're on a call and I tell you to do something, Mm -hmm. I expect you to do it right then. Right. I will explain it to you afterwards because if I'm telling you to do something, it's a safety issue. Right. You know, either we got to get out or there's a car coming at you or, you know, whatever the case may be, I'm not just going to go around telling people what to do. Because I didn't like that whenever I was a firefighter. I wanted to be able to do my job and not have to be, okay, what do I do now? Okay, is this okay? You know, I'm not going to be that guy. But I think that comes to the big word of trust. Yeah. So, but I was, you know, I went through that with them and, you know, it's all good. And that's how I plan to handle it going forward. Yeah. So. And I've had that conversation when I take over a crew, um, you know, we we tend to be with the crew for a while and I've had a couple of different crews here lately, but, um, I have that same conversation with them, you know, Hey, I'm all about input. And if you see something that's going South that needs to be addressed, or you see that I'm making a, a, a suggestion or say, Hey, this is what we're going to do. And you're like, Ooh, Hey, there's a safety issue. I want to know it, mm-hmm. but there's a time and a place where I'm going to say, this is what we're going to do. And yeah, it may not be the, the absolute safest because it's the nature of the call that we're mm-hmm. on or the nature of what we're doing. Unfortunately, we have to put ourselves in harm's way. Yeah. I'm going to try to mitigate that as much as we can. Absolutely. But, um, but yeah, I, I do, I trust my people and, and I trust their input and, uh, I want that. I trust that they will raise their hand and say, Hey, what about doing this? Or what about doing that? Or could we do this or whatever when the timing's appropriate? Yeah. So. Absolutely. Yeah. And like I told them, my main goal the the whole thing is to make sure that all three of you go home in the morning. Yeah. And the rest of us do too. So, because yeah. if we didn't do that, we didn't have a successful shift. I do not want to have to call your significant other and say, hey, they're in the hospital or worse. Yeah. I don't ever want to have to make that phone call. Yep. And, the, and unfortunately, the reality is the supervisor is that may happen. Yeah. So. Man, that got down real quick. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Don't worry. James will say something in a minute. <laughs> Maybe not. <laughs> this is my favorite game to play on the podcast. Like, when you want me to say something, I'm just like. No, <laughs> I thought you were sleeping over there for a minute, which I get. Firemen do that. But, well, shit, listen to a cop talk for an hour. Yeah. Uh, I'm not. I'm not going to confirm nor deny that I've caught him playing on his phone in the middle of a podcast before, <laughs> and I did hear a snore one time. So, what? Stop bringing cops on the show. Well, you bring more cops on the show than I do. That's true. Because <laughs> I need like naps. every single one of you, all I but need, one. Because I need naps. <laughs> I need naps. He, he's like, hey, I got this great person on the for the podcast. So I'm like. What do they do? Oh, they're a patrol officer, or oh, they're in SWAT, or oh, they're a canine officer. Or, like, do you know any firemen? <laughs> do you title those shows My Superhero? <laughs> oh, that's a good one. Maybe I should. Yeah, they, maybe yeah. Th- maybe they might actually start getting views then. Yeah, <laughs> free donuts. Oh, yeah, we're on to bagels in Johnson County. Well, that's because that, you guys That is are, the most Johnson County thing yeah, I've ever heard. You know, I didn't, <laughs> is, I didn't oh. think Johnson Countyism was a disease, but yes, I've heard my uncle uh. talk. Yes, it is a real thing. Yeah. I could not be a cop down there. I really couldn't. I'd, I'd burn out in a day. <laughs> How many I'd, Karens do you deal with? <laughs> I'd pull over so many Priuses out of the left lane. It wouldn't be funny. Tesla's everywhere. <laughs> 
Hey, that's my patrol car. <laughs> of course it is. So I will I will say this in, in as much vagueness as I can. I was recently at our upfitter for uh, police cars, and uh, they are building a Tesla for an agency. I will. Awesome. <laughs> I don't know how that goes exactly. Like, I'll tell you this. Do you have our... to wait five minutes uh, to get a charge to make it across the street? Or, I mean, I don't, I don't get it. Dude, I can see so many inner department issues. So-and-so did not plug in the car again. <laughs> <laughs> and now I got to wait four hours, and I'm just sitting here Why waiting for it. Why is it so the... hard to plug in the car? <laughs> yeah, yeah, we, we can't put gas in the car. What makes you think they're going to be able to plug it in? Exactly. And I can see people doing that just on purpose. Yeah. Now, you see, that argument went away for us because we have take-home cars. So if there's no gas in the car, there's only one person yeah. to blame. So that's, that's I'm going cool. to start laughing, though, with like when they're like calculating pursuits. Yes. Like, hey, uh, get Rick's car. I think he's at 98. <laughs> <laughs> We're going to need him at the front of the <laughs> He's going to be our lead car on this. <laughs> oh, wait a minute. He turned his lights on. He's down to about 70 <laughs> Yeah, you start seeing they're just shedding down lights as much as possible. We need to conserve the energy. <laughs> Quick, hit the brakes. Regen, regen. <laughs> Take it out of sport mode, Bobby. We don't have the battery for that. <laughs> Just throwing seats out of the car. <laughs> we gotta make it lighter. Gotta make it lighter. You're gonna see these, these Teslas just surrounded with solar panels. We need everything. <laughs> You're a little close. You're a little close. No, no, no. no. I'm just uh, drafting. That's all. <laughs> exactly. Trying to save gas or electricity. John, take it out of auto drive. <laughs> How are you gonna pit maneuver? It's supposed to keep you from crashing, too. Yeah, oh, yeah. Yeah. That would be interesting. Yeah. You're like, does not compute. Does not compute. <laughs> Your driving is unsafe. We're shutting you off now. Alexa, <laughs> Alexa pit maneuver. <laughs> <laughs> I wonder, you know those lane assist things? I wonder if it's kind of like that. You know, as you're trying to turn right, it's trying to turn you back left. Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, only criminals will have gasoline engines. Yes. <laughs> yes. yes. Oh, damn. He made a right turn. Uh, well, somebody else is going to have to pick him up. <laughs> That's going to be the new like political standpoint. Like, guns are in the past. Like, we have to outlaw gasoline engines. Criminals They're are already get, doing it. Criminals are getting their hands on gasoline engines, and it's endangering the society. I've, I mean, have you seen what they're doing in California? Oh, like, yeah. They're oh. saying no yeah. more um, internal combustion engines, like, after 2035. No, bro. Yeah. Well, it's 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 funny that I also saw an, an article about three three weeks ago where they tell all the citizens of California, "Hey, stop charging your cars. We're out of electricity." Right. Exactly. Right. What? Yeah. And we're supposed to be dependent on this in a right. couple years. We were no. talking. We were talking about it at the shop just to be that asshole, getting one of those new cyber trucks mm-hmm. and come and swapping it. <laughs> <laughs> I've seen that done. There's a guy on YouTube that did that with a Tesla, put a, like a V8 in it, <laughs> and uh, Tesla was not happy. Fuck him. Yeah. Yeah. So, but yeah, I mean, you raise a good point. Is their power grid wouldn't support it? Yeah. Will will not support it at no. all. I mean, you can't run your air conditioner in the summer there because it causes rolling brownouts. Oh yeah. So yeah. Well, they well, got windmills and solar panels everywhere, and they still can't keep up. Yeah. No, and that and yeah, you get. Free, you got 
th- hundreds of thousands of acres of solar panel fa- farms that you know they can't even keep up either. Right. But that's what you he know. just said. Yeah, I I know. But also, you don't you have see... to repeat what he said <laughs> just so you can just feel so like I can you're stay in... in the conversation. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I know. Have an original thought, Joey. I know. <laughs> but I I did see a meme the other day where <laughs> they did have they pulled off a generator to charge a Tesla on the side of the highway. It's like, and well, I mean, hey, um, look. look it, Fuel's yeah. got to come from somewhere, I guess. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's, I keep getting an argument because, like, I drive a dually diesel, and I pull my Jeep. Used to pull my Jeep a lot. <laughs> still going to pull your still, Jeep. Still going to pull my Jeep a lot. But like, you know, I've got a sixty-five gallon aftermarket tank in it. Like, I can get from here to Denver, and not stop, unless you can do it, an electric comparison to that. No. Yeah. Well, you're not going to get that many miles out of any electric car. Yeah. Then they're stupid. Right. <laughs> yeah. Supposedly, the new Hummer that they are coming out with has the longest range and it's like close to 400 miles or something like that. But if you, there's a video of like it disassembled kind of the whole frame is a battery is batteries. Oh, wow. The whole frame. So that's not any sort of a fire hazard if it gets into a wreck. No. So I ran a fire on a car hauler that was hauling Tesla's. Now regular car fire is hard enough to put out. Right. But when you got six Teslas plus a mini semi going, let's just say it was a crappy day on the highway. Well, right, because those batteries—that's a whole different process for putting that stuff whole out. Different right? thing, yeah. yeah. We're not even going to talk about extrication on them. Yeah. Well, it's funny you say that because at the air show uh, that we had not too long ago, Ford was there with that uh, Mach E Mustang. Oh, yep. it's the ugliest thing I've ever seen. Oh yeah, it's, yeah. it's pretty bad. The door handle in that, anyway. <laughs> Apparently they can't like if it catches fire it shuts down the electrical system can't get out sweet safety feature right yeah like <laughs> it just means one more electric car owners off the road <laughs> that's morbid but yes yes <laughs> hey that's a real hot opinion <laughs> <laughs> there's our second controversy yep, right there yep. <laughs> we're gonna get canceled for that yep <laughs> yeah I I you know what I don't get is like you keep seeing these electric cars. And they're all, like, technology-filled. Like, for example, the new Ford Lightning, we're not going to talk about. I mean, I'm like, oh, hell yeah, they're bringing back the Lightning. Mm-hmm. Joke's on us. It's electrical. It's, it's a Lightning. Yeah. And I'm like, <laughs> yeah. oh, God. But then, like, the headlight is the whole front of the truck. I'm like, yeah. that takes electricity. Mm-hmm. Like, I just don't get it. With Teslas, they put, like, a massive TV screen for a heads-up. I'm like, that takes electricity. <laughs> like, Well, I think some of the... Uh... Was it Mercedes or somebody has that all electrical, like, computer screen dash yeah. thing on their electric car? Yeah. I mean, you would think they would just go back to, like, 1990s, just simple analog. Yeah. <laughs> just displays, like, hey, we're just conserving shit here, folks. Yeah, <laughs> but, yeah but there's there's nothing to, I mean, it still takes electricity to run those gauges. Yeah. It's true. I bet so. you the draw is still less than the old analog gauges, the, the new electrical probably. stuff. Yeah. Yeah, it probably is. I can just see, like, pulling up in a Hummer and, like, how many watts per watts per <laughs> yeah. mile you get? Yeah. yeah, yeah, dude, that thing can do some cool shit. It, they did showed it doing the crab walk thing. Yeah, so it's got uh, four wheel steer. Oh yeah, and it can drive sideways. Wow. Yeah, because I have a need for that often. It, well, I mean, if you're gonna That's, take your two hundred thousand dollars, it's for the millennials that don't know how to parallel park. <laughs> They they can't they don't teach it anymore. They're like, you know what? We're Dude. just gonna adapt to you, and we're gonna just slide right in there. Yeah. You, you are not parking that thing anywhere. 
there's not a parking space in this country that that thing will fit in. <laughs> it is massive. You know, I said the same thing about like heated steering wheels. I thought that was the dumbest thing I'd ever seen until you got one. It's been on every day. Yep, yep. every day. I I was the same. I, I was the same exact way. And then I I start my truck, go in like this morning, freezing cold. Put my hands on the steering wheel. Like, God, that's an awesome feature. Yeah. This is an amazing feature. So, I, I, <laughs> see, used to, I have heated I used, seats. See, I used I to both. laugh about heated yeah. seats. I was like, that's stupid. Well, now in my truck, you have the option of just turning on just the back. <laughs> just the back. Oh, yeah. Heat. Oh. That shit's been on in the summer. Yeah. And I get in there, I'm like, it's, it's wonders. <laughs> it's the air conditioned seats that get me. I have Because every once tried in a while, those. like when it's really, really hot, and I turn the air conditioned seats on, I'm like, mm. Did I have like an accident or something? <laughs> <laughs> it's You're like, cool in the swamp ass, man. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, air conditioned seats, I'm not. I haven't tried it, so I can't really great. give it a fair. It's I, great. I, I don't I have, have a vehicle with it's it anymore, great. so. Yeah. <laughs> I have it. Yeah, no, the heated seats are good. I've, yes. But I'll turn mine on and leave it on until it starts to get warm, and then I shut it off. And yeah. then I use it just so. for my lower back now because apparently I'm that old. <laughs> yeah, we'll go with old. That's mm-hmm. why your back hurts. Mm-hmm. Carrying mm-hmm. the weight of this fucking podcast. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Why are you laughing? Hey, man, I'm, all, I'm only a guest. I'm a guest host. <laughs> You were. I was. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> There's a saying, your services are no longer required. <laughs> Sorry, he's been trying. He's telling me I fired for the last year and I keep showing up. <laughs> yeah. He, was he on just time moves the schedule. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> like, when is he? Okay, here we go. Yep. <laughs> Got it. <laughs> All right. Well, let's go with final thoughts. Final thoughts. Final thoughts. You're up. Um, thank you for having me. No, (laughs) you know, um, you asked me 25 years ago about peer support and having conversations and opening up with people and talking about just the shitty days that we're having or the calls that we've been on and that sort of thing. Um, And I don't know that I would have been as receptive to it as I have been since I've seen the transition of what it can do and how it is. And I know there are people that uh, work for my agency. They're like, he's going to talk about peer support again, really. But I am that passionate about it. I've seen it work. I've seen it work uh, in myself because I remember, um, you know, as I mentioned earlier, the the kid that I nearly shot and killed over a, a plastic gun. Um, dealing with that, the, the dead bodies and, and running out of a room when my son was laying in the same way a dead uh, infant was a couple of weeks prior to that. Um, so I look back and think about the traumas that, that I've had. And I would say mine are probably more cumulative than any one incident. Um, but we all have them. It's just having that maturity level uh, in your life to be able to think uh, that or realize that talking about it is the solution. Um, and I'm I'm no clinician and, and I don't pretend to be one. I just know some really smart ones. Um, and to hear them talk about 
Um, you know, the more you talk about things, the more your brain processes it, the easier it is for you to then, uh, handle that situation personally and whatnot. Um, and some of the other things that, that they do, uh, with, with individuals, um, you see it work and it's just hard to believe why you wouldn't do it. Why would you not at least take that opportunity to try? Um, and I think we all have that obligation to each other in this profession, especially in this day and age to come together and, and watch out for each other, um, and make sure that we are all healthy. You know, let's, let's make the goal of every one of us to, uh, go out of this career as mentally healthy as we came into this career. Um, I mean, it's going to change us. It does. I can't sit in a room with my, without my back to the wall and being able to see everything. And you see my wife and I try to sit down in the restaurant. <laughs> it's like musical chairs. The kids are like, ah, mom and dad are fighting over chairs again. Um, but yeah, I mean, it, it's going to change us, but it doesn't have to be detrimental to us. Uh, and we should be able to, to cope, cope with the career that we've chosen because it is honorable. So. One thing I, I love that you said is, well, I don't love that you said it, but you know, there are it's those okay. guys. You can love it. There are those guys that you, when you walk in the room, like, oh God, here comes the peer support shit again. Yeah. But those are also like, it's almost like just flooding the market because they also, if you say it enough and you're always there, if, and when that time does come for them, they know exactly who to call. Yeah. And, and, and you know, I'm not going to stop doing my job because as a peer supporter, because, um, someone is really putting up the walls. I think, you know, challenge accepted sometimes. Um, but I can, I can share a, a, in general terms of specific incident where, uh, we had a critical incident and, uh, the people involved said, no, nah, we don't want to talk to peer support. We're, that's not what we're here for. We don't want to talk to them. And they, they were getting ready to go through some interviews and, and whatnot. And I just simply hung out, brought them water, brought them food. Um, just said, hey, you know, just so you're aware, your sleeping might be off a little bit tonight. Um, these are some things to expect over the next couple of, of hours, days, weeks, months, whatever. If it goes on, you know, that sort of stuff and how to uh, cope with that. Uh, I thought we had an earthquake there for a second. <laughs> and uh and later it came out you know somebody's like well he ninja peer supported us <laughs> that was like it my that, ninjas yeah and that wasn't my goal that wasn't my point but i feel like if if i've got that information why would i not share it with somebody why would i knowing this is what you're going to go through why would i not at least give you a heads up and that's what we're there for we're not there to solve the problem we're there to help guide you through it yeah and i think that's the the, the big part so, so ninja i remember was like if i when we first started doing this maybe the first like i was on what the second episode mm -hmm. and i remember like i went home that night and it was rough because it was like the Everybody, you know, talk about James and all James's problems. I remember I went home that night and that was like the worst sleep I've ever had. And but like it was just, it was great. Like this whole podcast has been. It's just one of those things. Like it just kind of ninja, <laughs> ninja the whole time. <laughs> been doing it the whole time. And then, 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 yeah. Yep. <laughs> yep. 
This is going to be episode 61. Yeah. So we've got 61 episodes of peer support going. Nice. So, but yeah, and it's like you said, you know, we started this thing and it was, it wasn't just you, you know, I mean, Chris slept like shit. I slept like shit. I'm saying like my, like for me, I remember that it was my episode, but yeah, I remember a couple, I think the third episode we talked about it because I was like, did y'all sleep like shit? Yep. (laughs) And we were, I mean, you know, we digging up all that old stuff and talking about it and, you know, trying to set the tone for what the podcast was about. Right. So, yeah, it was one of those things. Of, man, we had more stuff to talk about. Right. <laughs> so. And well, I think yeah. I think that's true of all of us. It still comes out. Even the last episode for me, like, we literally were like, let's have a nice sit-down discussion and talk about Jeeps. The plan was we were going to talk about Jeeps and motorcycles and loosely relate them to, like, how we use them as good coping mechanisms. 20 minutes into this, we're like, bashing on me. <laughs> like, but, you know, like like a heart, like a good conversation over just some of my faults and stuff. And I'm like, fuck, man. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, it's interesting you bring that up, the coping mechanisms, though, because we found healthy outlets. But you think of all the maladaptive coping mechanisms that are out there. And that was the way of the world. When, oh, yeah. when we first got in this business it's and it's an accepted part of the culture yes and, and i mean not just accepted but encouraged yeah absolutely know? i mean so. what what's the term for whenever you do something good you raise a glass yeah we ain't talking about dr pepper yeah 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 so i mean it and there's let me be clear i'm not saying that you don't go out and have fun with your crew and all that stuff but Whenever you're doing it because there's an issue that you are trying to drown or forget mm-hmm. or whatever, that's a problem. Mm-hmm. And if it was... It's going to become a, ha- a habit. Yeah. Yep. It's just, and if it's like he was, like James was talking about earlier, you know, it's, okay, I'm one this time and then two next time and then three next and pretty soon, you know, it's a serious issue. Yeah. Well, but not even substance abuse. Think about those people that... Um, their comfort zone is work, but then they get to work and they start taking risks and chances and that sort of stuff because they're not getting that mm-hmm. thrill, so to speak, or that whatever they need to, to keep them excited. So mine isn't even, <laughs> I fear, I fear, feel a confession coming. Yep. Well, this is nothing Jeremy doesn't already know, but there's a flip side to what you brought too. There is the, Comfort zone is work, sometimes for the adrenaline rush, but also just for the routine. Like, yeah. like I'll tell you, for me, sometimes it's easy. I'm like, I'm just going to go to work. Work makes sense. I can function at work. I can't deal with all this other bullshit right now. Which is the funny thing is I'll go to work and deal with the same bullshit I was dealing with at home, just somebody else's, so it's not as bad. So is it like when people, like, wax on – on the fire truck, wax off, and that frustrates you because they do it in the wrong way, or no? It's usually when like they just cook the awesome food <laughs> <laughs> or the great naps <laughs> or the nine day a month schedule. You know, somewhere around that. I, I do have to say, I was a little embarrassed pulling up in my car because it's really dirty right now. I thought, man, these firefighters are not going to have it. <laughs> but maybe it'll be clean by the time I'm done. Maybe. Um, no, I doubt it. <laughs> the only person up there is Rachel, and she's not washing that car. 
I'd have to divorce her if she did. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Joey. Final thoughts, buddy. Uh, really not. I mean, not too much. I mean, because you guys talk about these. Uh, all the things that you've done in, for peer support and um, programs that you've done, and and I haven't I haven't really done any programs like in, intense programs. I've I, you know I've gone on, seen my therapist kind of situation and do EMDR and and you know some other stuff. But you know, <clears throat> look, I'm looking you know into probably getting into peer support after you know it. Like you said, it kind of takes you going through something where you're like, man, I can, I feel like I can help. Mm -hmm. So that's something I'm definitely wanting to jump into because I can't dive in that level that you guys are, are at. But, um, you know, the, but what we've talked about on our, my episode or, and really any time is just, doesn't matter how bad the call is, just have someone to talk to, have, have somebody that you can rely on to kind of just be able to get something off your chest yeah. and don't be afraid of it. That's, I mean, I'll probably, I'll preach that every time. Just, it's if you don't do it now, it's gonna it's gonna be worse 10, 10 15 years down the road in, in your career and where you're gonna be at. Yeah. So, but I think the awesome perspective you have is um, having been through EMDR. A lot of people don't know what EMDR is and how it can help. It's not for everybody, but I've seen it do great things for for people. Yeah, and and that's and I I mean I I was kind of hesitant. I was uh, kind of worried going into EMDR just because I've heard very mixed reviews mm -hmm. um, where those people are like, Hey, just let it work. Yeah. It'll be, and, and it will work. And then some people have like, I kind of rushed it and it just jacked up my everything. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, going through and I did, I did about six, uh, six sessions. And I mean, it, it, it was good. It felt, I mean, there was a dramatic change in everything and, and being able to accept everything that happened right. was the, was the situation. So where, you know, not to not to dive into it, but just being able to, I did everything I can. That's the outcome that happened. It's I got to move on. So, yeah. And you also have the perspective of being able to share how working with the clinician helps. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you you develop a, a good relationship with your clinician, um, able to just really just let it go, and kind of like what we talked about earlier. You know. You have somebody that you're that is competent in what you're talking about. I don't have to spend three sessions explaining what I do on a daily basis right. or what the possibility is right. for me. It's being able to just go in, say what I need to say, and then kind of work my way out of it. Yeah. So that's just what I've kind of gone through, um, and it worked for me. And again, just I'm, I'll always preach, you know talk to somebody have fun have have that person to talk to yeah james final thoughts i think one of the, the all right thanks for those I, <laughs> no, I, I, was, I was trying to think like how to start it but one of the things like i, I love about him the most and it, like especially with how passionate he is with peer support is we in, in the fire and law enforcement, we always we call it a brotherhood. We call it a family, but we don't always act like it is. Mm -hmm. It's e it's easy for us to meet at a bar. It's easy for us to help move a couch. It's we we do the superficial, sometimes surface level shit that looks like a family. We say it's a family, but you know the the digging down deep into it, I think it's the peer support aspect. And I, I think he 
to me preaches and shows through his daily actions what this family really is in public service. We're still a dysfunctional family. Oh, yeah. But, but Every accept family it. is a dysfunctional family. Right, but accept <laughs> it for what it is. Yeah. So, yeah. See, mm-hmm. I gave you, see, I started off being an asshole, and I finished <laughs> with a compliment. Oh, I'm waiting for the backhand to come out. <laughs> All right. I'm not going so. to backhand a cop. I don't want to get shot. <laughs> <laughs> he hasn't seen, seen my range scores. That's good. <laughs> Yeah, we won't get into that. <laughs> Cops versus firemen shooting. It doesn't work Another out. controversy. <laughs> yeah. We could definitely go down that rabbit hole. Yeah. <laughs> I'm just saying. I bet if you took the best five firefighters and the best five cops. It'd be pretty close. <laughs> I don't think it'd be as close as you think it would be. I think, I don't think it'd be. <laughs> and with that note. Yeah. <laughs> John, thanks for coming on the show. I really appreciate it. Thank you, brother. Absolutely. My pleasure. Happy to be here. Awesome. So in the episode, the same way we do every time, if you are struggling, reach out. There are resources. Um, And if you know somebody that is struggling, talk to them. Reach out to them. Let them know that you care. And, you know, help them get in contact with those resources that are out there. So, all right. Thanks for stopping by.